This is a podcast by The Straits Times. You're listening to In Your Opinion, a podcast series by The Straits Times. I'm Ernest Lewis, the podcast editor. And I'm Isabel Liu, and I cover housing news. The Forward Singapore exercise began in June 2022. And since then, many Singaporeans from all walks of life have taken part in engagement sessions on a wide range of topics, including housing. Now, Forward Singapore is the national effort to achieve a social compact, to refresh the glue, if you will, that holds society together with a shared understanding of our roles, shared values and aspirations. At these Forward Singapore engagements, participants agreed that Singapore should continue to be a home-owning society. This is the third of four podcast episodes where Ernest and I have invited two young public housing flat buyers and an industry expert to discuss public housing. This podcast is brought to you by the Ministry of Communications and Information in support of Forward Singapore. We have Mr. Eden So, who is 28 and works as a media producer, and he just paid his deposit a few weeks ago for his prime location housing flat in the southwestern area. Eden, congrats, and great to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me here. We also have Mr. Asher Chua. He's 28 as well, and he works as a sales executive. He applied for BTO flats for a few years, but has now bought a resale flat instead. Asher, glad to have you joining us. Thanks for having me as well. And as our industry expert, we have Ms. Christine Sun, Senior Vice President of Research and Analytics at Orange Tiantai. Welcome to the show. Hello, everyone. Thank you for inviting me here. So, Eden, congrats on securing your first HDB flat. And wow, you went for the Prime Location Public Housing Model, or PLH, which will be shortened to Prime from the second half of 2024 under the new classification. Tell us, what was your thinking behind going for this category of flats as a first-timer, even with the resale conditions such as a 10-year minimum occupation period and the subsidy clawback? Okay, so this is actually my second time um, you know, bidding for BTO. So my first BTO was actually for a BTO in Tampines. I see housing as a forever home. I think youth these days still have that mindset, thinking that, oh, that is their first investment, their first big investment. They're going to get something out of it. But for me, what I see right now is I need a place that I can live there for maybe the rest of my life. If I know that I'm choosing a non-prime, Definitely, or there's a high chance of me kind of want to go for the upgrade in the future. I would want to sell. I want to get somewhere that's closer to my workplace, somewhere with better transport. Yeah, that's, that's the reason why I chose the Prime Minister. Did the additional subsidies play a part in your decision? I feel like the government is actually giving youths the option to actually have the ability to purchase a Prime housing. But I feel like the government is having us to, you know, kind of have the mindset of you got to stay in the house. You're not going to sell it even after your MOP. Okay, so you, you do feel that there's a, there's a changing sentiment now mm. that maybe public housing flats will probably not be as huge a part of Gola yep. as it was seen previously by your peers. How do you feel about that? I feel like in Singapore's context, it's kind of fair because firstly I don't think there's a lot of couples actually going for bigger families I feel like um, 
there's not really a need for upgrades. Yes, it's unfair because the previous generation has that benefit of, you know, flipping the houses for a profit when they sell it. But right now, I feel like mm, it's a changing perspective for youth these days. Mm. We can't really afford to do it because we have a lot of other commitments in life. Things are getting more and more expensive. Vehicles last time used to be, I don't know, COE is like $60,000 or something. Nowadays, mm. it's, it's climbing and then there's just no way for us to be, you know, putting our money into so many pockets. Yeah. So I feel like it's kind of fair in that sense. And um, More realistic, you feel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more okay. realistic. So even with the tighter restrictions for plus and prime flats, you're okay with that, right? For me, I'm okay with that. But for me, because I like that place and then I don't have any plans to, to sell, mm. which is why I'm okay with the tighter restrictions. But funny thing is, when I was um, discussing with my partner, she actually brought up about, you know, having that mindset of selling it after the MOP period. Mm. But then I kind of explained it to her that, you know, this has got to be, this is the future for Singaporean youth. Mm. Yes. Okay, um, let's let's have a look at some background uh, lately. The ideal of flipping one's HDB flat has been, in a way, reflected on the resale market. In August 2023, a record 54 units were sold for at least $1 million each, topping the previous record of 45 in September last year in 2022. The first eight months of 2023 saw $294 million flats changing hands. So the resale market for now seems like it is on track to beat last year's $369 million units. Christine, based on what Ernest just said, could the reclassification of flats mean a new reality for aspiring homeowners? Could it be the end of flipping for profit? Um, I think some of these uh, young uh, couples, they may need to adjust their property investment goals or the timeline that they have set out to achieve certain objectives. Because we do understand that now many of these young people, they want to see how fast they can climb the property ladder. And you know, by what age they want to upgrade to a private housing or how many properties they want to eventually own. So with this extension of MOP for certain flats, like for example, 5 to 10 years for plus and prime flats, then I think the lengthening of this holding period of the property will have an impact on these buyers because it will delay the lottery effect and as well as to reduce the number of people who will be purchasing flats in good locations for short-term gains. So that is what we call flipping properties for profit. So to me, I don't think this is a bad thing because we did observe that many Singaporeans are actually selling their flats quite fast. That means immediately after MOP, perhaps two years. And this may indicate some level of uh, speculative activities. So to quote some data, like for example, if we look at HDB data from data.gov, we noticed that the number of flats sold two years after MOP actually rose substantially from 700 plus units in 2014 to more than 6,000 units in 2022. And in terms of proportion of total sales as well, such transactions have actually grown from less than 5% in 2014 to right now 23%. So this means that uh, such transactions actually form about a quarter of the total sale transactions. So this will have some impact because if many people are flipping their properties quickly, that may cause some price distortion or expectation uh, in terms of sellers. So many people may feel that, eh, why, why is it that so many people are earning so much or you know, there are so many million dollar flats? 
So by lengthening this uh, MOP and imposing an income ceiling for future resale buyers of uh, plus and prime flats, in this way, I think it will help to slow down these, uh, that means buyers will be flipping properties and also the number of million dollar transactions. Yeah, I guess, Asher, you know, it's it's this thing about like the FOMO thing, right? Fear of missing out with Singaporeans quite high. We tend to jump in with the pack whenever we see a trend going in. You applied several times for BTOs and uh, even the sales of balanced flats, but you were not successful. Uh, you tried a PLH flat despite the resale restrictions. What were really your motivations for trying to secure a BTO? And then why did you go for a resale flat in the end? Yeah. So, I mean, personally, for me, my reasons are quite practical and very realistic. As we all know, you have to wait for a BTO for four to five years, right, before it's ready. So, a lot of times, even for me and my partner, straight out of university, I was the first to get out first to start working. We were straight away going like, let's go for a BTO. So, for very practical reasons. And also, you kind of get an understanding that, well, if I go for a BTO, chances are I will buy it at a more fair value because government is the one putting a price on it and I can flip it, right? Like what Christine just said, a lot of young people are just flipping it straight away after five years. <laughs> uh, so that was the initial reason why we went for it. But of course, we tried for a lot of, you know, more prime locations, right? Which is also one of the reasons why we couldn't get it. I wasn't as lucky as Eden <laughs> trying to get a prime <laughs> location. Uh, so we kind of have to go for a resale by choice. Uh, mm. Yeah, if we can choose, of course, we will keep going for BTO. But again, we were also thinking about other aspects, right? More than the financial aspects, we knew that, okay, we probably want to get married at X amount of months later. And we both agreed that we need a place for ourselves. Right. We don't want to rent after marriage and have to do all the things. We just want a place that we can call our home. So that was also the reason why we went for a resale in the end. And I mean, really, was that the best choice? I think based on circumstances like our financials, uh, status, things such as the stage of life that we were at. To be honest, that was the best choice that we could make. And I mean, after making decisions and we did some calculations as well, I think we are pretty happy in terms of our purchase. At least now we know that, okay, when we get married, the house will be waiting there for us. So right. that's our reasons. Yeah, okay. And and how do you find it meeting your top needs? Yeah, I mean, so if I were to share on a personal journey, my top needs, of course, were a lot, right? You know, when you first dream of your own house, you want everything. Personally, for me, right now, I'm actually renting near the central area. So for example, my thought needs were, yeah, I want it to be central. But the dreams were dashed when I started to go to Property Guru on ni.co and I saw the prices, right? So that was how it is. But I think when we start to sit down and the first thing we really look at was, okay, the, how much cash do we have yeah. like on hand and how much CPF do we have? And both of us, we are still pretty young in our career. So we really had to use that as the, how do you call it, the North Star to say, that okay, let's work around this. So pricing was number one, and then we started going to location. Well, location, of course, you want as central as possible, right? But we started to think to ourselves, well, if it's not central, if it's too expensive, at least can it be near maybe like a fair price, maybe like a supermarket? So it makes shopping easier. And we kind of also start to talk about, okay, do we want grants? Do we want the proximity grant? Because it's another addition 20K, which is very generous. So there were a lot of factors. And from there, we basically had to choose, right? We had to give out some things. And I think the good thing is when you go to propertyguru99.co, you just need to put in your filters and you will start to get a list. And what we did was we just went to look at it, knowing that one of these would be our houses. We look at it over a weekend. We look at like nine properties. Pretty much from there, we saw the one we wanted. We negotiated and 
that was how we ended up here. So it was a pretty smooth process, but I think it all started from the fact that we knew our limitations, we knew somewhat what we can give up, what we must have, and that really helped to smooth out the process. Is your new flat uh, near an MRT station? Did that play a part? Well, near is relative. So at least for, for us, we are in between two MRT stations, right? The bad thing is that I can't walk to the MRT without breaking a sweat. In my old place back in, you know, the far west, yes, I can walk to the MRT, but it's much further, right, from central. Uh, but this is pretty okay, you know, we thought about it. Like, yeah, you probably need to take a bus, but the bus is pretty frequent. You know, we talked to the homeowners as well, and they said, yeah, it's pretty convenient. Can't be compared to if you stay in Tanjung Baga, but it's good enough. And again, for our first home, we knew that we couldn't have everything, but we just wanted to have the essentials. Again, like the shopping centres, fairly close to places that are more convenient, food, supermarket, and that is sufficient. And I know that, you know, if we work hard, then in the future, maybe we, we get a better place and location. So would you intend to sell this flat after you fulfill your five-year MOP? Well, it will be dependent on a lot of factors, right? It will be tough to say. I think, at least based on our initial discussion, that is something we will explore, of course, five years later after MOP. But whether we will execute on it is tough to say because also depending on the price, right? But it's, it's not to say that it's impossible because, for example, we spoke that, hey, it w- would be nice if we can, let's say, live in a condo one day. So by then, if the finances allow and we make the calculations and if there's a good deal on the market, maybe we will go ahead. But for now, even if it doesn't happen in five years, we don't mind waiting because generally it's a pretty good location based on just what our basic needs require. And, and in your case, Eden, very yep. quickly, I mean, you just decided to bite the bullet. No? Mm-hmm. Yep, I did. Just too. settle on that one Settle thing. on that one spot and call it for forever home. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this is you, you're, you, you've got your first full-time job, right? Yes, correct. Okay. Did you even think that, oh, wow, I need to wait a couple of years, establish myself, then go for something? Or it was so affordable that you found that it made sense for you to go and bite the bullet? Okay, so, so the unit for me was... To my context, was pretty affordable in my context. But the thing is, what drew me to that area is because how I like that place and mm-hmm. how me and my partner as a couple like that place. So we don't see ourselves moving to other areas of Singapore, to yeah. be honest. And because of that very reason, we, we bite the bullet and we just went for it. Yep. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. Back to our conversation with our three guests on public housing in Singapore. This podcast is brought to you by the Ministry of Communications and Information in support of Forward Singapore. Christine, with the reclassification of HDB flats, um, what do you think will be the impact on million-dollar flats? So we have also looked at related data and we found that uh, more newly MOP flats were sold for at least a million dollars. So in 2022, there were $63 million flats that were sold, uh, flats that were seven years old or below, and they make up about 17.1% of the total million dollar flat transactions. So no such transactions were recorded in 2014. So this shows that there was an increasing number of million dollar flats that were newly MOP flats. So if the numbers continue to jump, then we may see a distortion in terms of the price expectation of other sellers and it can continue to fuel the heated million-dollar flat market. So what do you think the authorities are trying to do here with the latest changes to the HDB classifications with the Prime Plus and Standard Flats and the resale restrictions that will take effect from the second half of 2024? How would these affect 
the resale flat prices and the resale market overall? I think one of the key changes that they have done is to lengthen the MOP period for certain flats like the plus and prime flats. So I think what they want to do is to reinforce the message that public housing is primarily meant to serve as a home for long term and not to be used for speculative investments. So why is it that they want to do that? Mm, I think that if many young Singaporeans were to sell their flats immediately after MOP and divest their sales proceeds to other riskier investment assets, then some of these young couples, uh, especially the less savvy ones, they may risk losing their savings or not even having a roof over their heads in the long term. Therefore, if fewer people were to flip their properties right now, that will bring more stability in terms of uh, demand, in terms of prices for the resale market. And of course, the other initiative that they put in is to have some income ceiling imposed on future resale plus and prime flats. So this means that there will be a certain cap on how much more buyers can pay for for future resale units. So in that sense, that will also help to stabilise uh, HDB resale prices in the long run. Uh, of course, we recognise that the impact may only be seen many years later because the first batch of plus flats to hit the resale market will happen only about 17 years later. So if you calculate, that will work out to about uh, 2040. So from now until then, we do expect some of these buyers, if they do not wish to be restricted by the longer MOP period for these new BTO flats, if let's say they were to choose the plus or the prime flats, then they are likely to either turn to standard BTO flats or they will opt for resale flats in the same locations. So demand for some of these uh, flats in maybe the plus or prime flats, some of the resale unit prices may be pushed up slightly. And how would this change the behaviours of first-time buyers and existing homeowners? Would it change their, their mindset in terms of thinking about their first property? Yes, I think that uh, what they are doing right now to lengthen the MOP is to create a new mindset among the young people. So since right now, those people who want to buy the, let's say, for example, the plus or the prime flats, and they know that they're going to be committed for a longer period, it means that they will have to be uh, more careful when they select flats. So in the past, we do see uh, many of these uh, young people, perhaps they just put in maybe an application hoping to get the unit. So if they don't like the unit after five years, they will just sell it. But right now, I think they have to think carefully because they also have other measures. Like for example, if they were given a chance to select the flat and they don't, then there will be certain penalties as well. So all these initiatives have been put in. I believe that in the long run, it will help to stabilise the whole property market. Because right now, especially the young couples, they will have to think longer, they have to plan longer. Uh, if they really want to commit to a certain, especially, uh, let's say, for example, a new flat or even a resale flat as well. Yeah, it sounds like that, right? I mean, from Eden's example here mm. um, in, in our conversation, you sound very different from your peers, I would guess, yeah. but I guess it's changing. It's forcing you and your yes, peers to correct. change your thinking, right? Correct. What about your peers? How do they generally feel about this? They might have felt a bit like maybe Asher and his partner previously, or are they beginning to see that things are changing now? I would say that the youths these days are beginning to see the changes for sure because of all these new restrictions and you know, I don't think they are really going for a flat that think that, oh, it's a good location. But at the same time, when they choose the flat, they are actually banging in for the investment. I don't mm. think they are seeing that right now with these new restrictions. So more of a long-term homeowning Correct. priority. Okay. And okay, let, let me ask you guys, Eden, we start with you first. What's your top feedback point, right, regarding the new changes to the public housing system? 
if the government is actually trying to have the youths to purchase a home and then at the same time live forever in it. I'm actually quite worried because most of us would want to purchase a prime or a plus housing. In that case, if let's say you want to stay in a house, you want to call your forever home, you would most likely choose towards that path. Right. But those houses are priced a lot higher. So every month, you have to fork out a certain amount in your CPF and sometimes it might touch your cash. So with that in mind, I'm worried that are we able to retire at the age of 65 hmm. right now because of all these things that we need to you know, contribute monthly? Hmm. You're worried about what? Cost of living, pressure, inflation. Correct. Right. And tying together with the housing as well. I feel like it's quite worrying for us that are we, are we able to retire at that age? Right. So despite the fact that you have a stable, seemingly stable full-time job mm-hmm. now, you still have that long-term concern. Yes, yes. Okay. And Asher, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I'm in agreement with Eden in the fact that I definitely feel with all the new changes, of course, the government is trying to make it more like when you purchase your home, think of it as really your home, not right. as a way to flip. I, I think we can all agree on that. I think in terms of how I would approach it, my way is probably more pragmatic, right? Because I grew up in the West, far West. You know, my parents probably didn't have much choice in terms of do we go for a central location or where they pretty much stayed with my grandparents maybe five years into their marriage. So growing up in the environment, I think at the end of the day, I tell myself that, well, if they could do it, even if it's just the far West, yes, maybe they take 10 to 20 more minutes to go to a central location, you know, we, we grew up fine in a sense. They, they, they taught us well. We were able to, you know, get a good future for ourselves. To me, sometimes I look at that and be like, okay, so even if I can't stay in the prime, maybe slightly different from Eden, yes, I would love to stay at the prime, but I kind of tell myself, well, even if I can't stay in a prime location, like central location, that's fine. As long as, it sounds cliche, but as long as the person I'm living with is, is someone I enjoy being with, that is fine for me. So that's the way I look at it. Um, yes, am I sad that I maybe can't flip it for better prices. Yeah, maybe a little bit, but still that's just something you have to deal with uh, as generation change and as situation change. But overall, Singapore, I, I think it's a good place. I mean, we can always go enjoy ourselves in Thailand, <laughs> Bali or something, right? So at least that's something I'm thankful for. So what should other youths be mindful for? And um, do you have any suggestions for the, for the future down the road? Um, so for me... And this is my personal opinion. I, I think I'll split into BTO and, and resale, right? So initially, we also wanted to go for BTO. But I think a lot of times, maybe it's the way the system is set up, we don't necessarily look at the emotional factor of it. So a lot of my friends in university, both of them, let's say 2% of university, they're already thinking of committing to a BTO just because of the wait time and all that, right? But uh, sometimes when I ask them cheeky questions, right? Like, so is he or she the one? Uh, they, don't, they don't know, right? They, they just say, well, you know, just apply first and see how. That's the typical answer. For us, actually, we were applying for BTO and we, for a moment, we stopped it because, you know, we are f- figuring things out in the relationship, right? So it stopped for a while and when we decided to go back into the market, we knew that, okay, BTO wasn't the, the choice anymore because of our plans of wanting a house when we get married. Now, in terms of resale, as I mentioned before, your, your dreams can be very rosy in the very beginning, but the moment you sit down, 
and look at the numbers, which I, I think I have to give props to you know, a HDB and government. I think the whole new HFE process, honestly, makes it very easy. You just apply one time, simply use your SingPass. You get uh, ideas on, are you eligible for what kind of grants? What kind of houses can you get? Um, you get all the information and from there you just take your pick because you straight away know what is your limitations. So I would say do that, look at the numbers and kind of talk to each other on terms of what is really something you want, what is something that you can give up. And you'll find that actually when you have a limited amount of cash or limitations of money available, you find that you can start to give up a lot of things. You realize that a lot of things are wants, not needs. So that's, that's what I would say, right? Being, being realistic. And I, I believe it will be fine as long as if it's with the right person. And Christine, HDB resale prices have been rising for about three years now. Earlier, you mentioned that the reclassification system could potentially help to keep things more affordable, but that would likely only reflect on the resale market in 2040. In terms of now till then, will prices continue to rise and by how long? Well, if we talk about HDB resale prices, I think that we may see a divergence or uneven price growth for different segments because we do understand that prices, they are quite affected by supply. So I think that how prices are going to move in certain areas will then depend on how much or how many BTO flats the government is going to launch in the next few years. Because we do know that they are releasing a lot of new land uh, moving forward. They are already redeveloping a lot of uh, old buildings. Of, of course, like, you know, uh, converting new places, like, for example, like uh, the Paya Air Base, uh, Greater Southern Waterfront, Long Island, Mount Pleasant, so many new places. So it really depends on how many flats they are going to release. So, for example, if they are going to uh, continue to launch uh, many of these standard flats uh, all over the island and we understand that they still form the bulk of supply in the market with the usual fire MOP, then those resale flats in the same areas, they will potentially experience more competition. So if that's the case, then perhaps prices will be more stable in that sense. However, if you are talking about certain other flat types, like for example, those bigger flats, like five-room flats, executive flats, especially those in the prime locations, uh, we do know that in the previous uh, BTO exercises, I think there are not many launches that have all these uh, big units like five-room flats. So therefore, we expect demand to continue to be robust because there will always be Singaporeans who want these kind of big flats and near the town area and they don't mind paying uh, maybe resale prices. So, uh, but if you talk about in general, will the housing system or will there still be flats that will be affordable? Then I think that it really comes down to your choice and what they prefer. And of course, their eligibility for the grant. Let's say, for example, if it's a couple who don't mind uh, staying maybe not at the plus or prime locations, then there will always be affordable flats in terms of uh, standard flats in many parts of Singapore. Because we already, just now as I mentioned, they're going to open up many new areas. Then if, let's say, for example, some of these couples, if they qualify for uh, many of these grants that are available, so after grant, they actually can buy quite affordable flats in plus and prime locations, which otherwise, perhaps it may not be uh, within their reach or financial reach. Because some of these areas right now, you can only buy maybe a private condo. Yeah. Then, of course, if you talk about prices, there will also be the other area that people are looking at. How will this affect my ability to upgrade to private housing. 
So I guess that I think the other caveat is that, you know, when they add this, that means the lengthen the MOP, they potentially delay or pace the upgrading time frame for some of these HDB upgraders. So uh, some people will say that, oh, because of that, you know, then does it mean that uh, we will not be able to upgrade so fast? But, uh, well, if you look at it positively, uh, delaying or pacing this upgrading time frame will actually allow the private home supply to catch up while demand is being pushed back. So in this way, it actually helps to moderate the price growth in the private market in the long run. So, you know, so eventually, if they were to buy a private home in future, if prices were to grow at a slower pace, then it's also better for them. And of course, on the other uh, hand as well, or, or in addition, uh, young families will also have more time to save for retirement and they can actually save more and buy a bigger property when they upgrade next time. All right. Thanks, everyone, for sharing um, all your views and insights. Uh, thanks, Eden. Thank you. And Asher, good feedback from you as well. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And Christine, thanks for your insights and observations about the possible trends going forward. You're most welcome. Well, that's a wrap for this episode of In Your Opinion, a podcast series by The Straits Times. If you'd like to read our opinion columns and Isabel's public housing articles, there are links in our podcast show notes. This episode was brought to you by the Ministry of Communications and Information in support of Forward Singapore. Thanks for listening. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.